Stunt Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matthew. Before we get into today's spotlight interview featuring Whale Shark, I just wanted to give a shout out to this month's sponsor, who's none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Connie Digital. Everyone listening to the podcast should be familiar with Connie. He's been a guest on here once before. And if you don't know him, he's a legend in the crypto art scene, and he's making waves now with his tokenized music. Just want to make sure that everyone checks out his website at danky.art. That's D-A-N-K-Y dot art. And make sure that you sign up for his newsletter. And you can go to connydigital.com slash join to do that. That's C-O-N-N-I-E-D-I-G-I-T-A-L dot com slash join. That's it. Make sure you follow Connie Digital. And thank you again for supporting the show. So with that, let's begin today's episode. Okay, we're live. This is Matthew, and I'm back with another Spotlight interview. Uh, Today, my guest is someone who's instantly recognizable in NFT land. He's going to be one of the biggest names in the history books. I'm fairly confident of this. I'm really excited to get a chance to speak with Whale Shark. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, my friend. I've been a huge fan of of you and Rizzle for a very long time. You guys were the first podcast I ever listened to when I entered the space. So this is really a huge honor for me. Now, the honor is is mine, my friend. And to get started, I'd like to talk about like how I think about you as this like very dynamic individual who is at the same time a collector, an investor, and a serial entrepreneur. And I'm just wondering if that that frame of viewing you as those three things largely is that an accurate view of, of who Whale Shark is? So I think the first thing, and once again, very appreciative of those kind comments. Um, you know, for me, I, uh, I've been very lucky uh, over the course of my life, um, you know, to be extremely financially independent, uh, as well as meet a lot of people along my journey, uh, inside and outside of crypto, um, who taught me that, you know, sometimes, and all the time, sorry, that values do exceed profitability. Um, we have a saying in Chinese, and this will be the first time I, I, I actually use Chinese on a podcast. Um, but in Chinese, we say, uh, which basically means you need to be a, a person or you need to be a good person before you can do good business. Um, you know, and that's really one of the core values um, that I really stick to, no matter, well, no matter whether I'm developing something in crypto land or NFT land uh, or doing something outside of that. Um, as a collector, investor, and a serial entrepreneur, you, I think you have it straight on. You got the nail on the head. Um, that's pretty much uh, what I do as a profession. Uh, again, inside and outside of crypto. Um, one of the things that I would like to extend in the future uh, is really leveraging the benefits of wearing those three hats uh, and really becoming someone that's really um, grounded in philanthropy. Um, so that's a vision, but yeah, you, you have it, you have it nailed on the head. Uh, definitely, you know, I love to collect, uh, I love to invest, um, and I love to create new things. Uh, it's, it's my, it's my, it's my form of crypto art, right? Creating businesses, creating communities, uh, creating value. Mm. And one thing that I love to do in my pastime, I like to read biographies of just great businessmen, great personalities, great figures in history. 
One of the interesting things that I always find when I'm reading through these biographies of whether it's Washington or Hamilton or Rockefeller is the threads that carry on from their childhood into who they become uh, as these historical legacy figures. When I think of like being a collector and investor and and, uh, an entrepreneur underlying those, those titles usually is some combination of extreme passion and creativity. And I'm just curious if you kind of like look back to when, when you were younger, what were you passionate about? Uh, What were you, in what instances do you think that you were creative potentially as a child uh, in a way that kind of extends to who you are today? That's, an amazing and very deep question that I've never been asked before, Matthew. <laughs> um, well, if I if I look back on my childhood, I mean, I I, I grew up in a I grew up in a regular, you know, once again, uh, a very regular uh, middle class family. Um, the only thing that I did see uh, as I grew up was, uh, you know, my dad worked in a lot of large multinational companies, and I saw him churning out 16, 18 hour days. Um, which really taught me the value of hard work. Um, now, given that uh, he really worked in a very few number of companies and was always really a corporate guy, um, he always encouraged me to, um, you know, start my own business, do my own things, um, you know, look for opportunities. Um, you know, Papa Whale Shark uh, was very much an <laughs> entrepreneur, although, you know, he, he had to grind it out so that the family could, uh, the family could, uh, could, could live to a standard that he wanted us to. Um, as, a, as a young child, I love collecting things, right? Uh, I think the first instance of me remembering something that I collected uh, were actually Premier League stickers. Uh, so, you know, younger, I, I loved watching football or soccer for the U.S. Um, uh, we'd always have these uh, sticker collector books, and I, I just love collecting them and filling in all the blanks. Um, you know, moving forward after that, I started collecting Dragon Ball Z cards, uh, which were very popular um, back in the day. And, you know, they had these uh, vending machines where you could put in, you know, 50 cents to a dollar, uh, turn the knob and, and, and a Dragon Ball Z card would come out. And if you were lucky, you got a shiny. If not, you get a double shiny. Um, but really, I think it started with collecting what I loved. And then came the economics. Um, so I was the guy who was carrying an album full of cards to school, uh, got them confiscated a couple of times as well, um, but was in school trying to sell my cards, right? Yes, <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, from Dragon Ball Z that advanced to, uh, to Magic the Gathering. Um, you know, uh, shame on me, but as a kid, you know, once again, I was an athlete. Um, you know, did track and field, uh, was actually also, what events? uh, I actually did the long jump. So I did the long jump, <laughs> um, did a bit of running, but mainly the long jump. Um, but I would skip those practices, uh, to actually go to, uh, uh, there was, there was those mom and pop, uh, comic card book stores, right. Uh, back in the day, uh, getting less and less now. Um, but you know, i sometimes I skip practice on a Saturday, uh, go down there and, 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 and trade cards and, uh, and, 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 and collect more. Um, you know, as I, as I look back and I connect the dots and the threads, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I, saw, I saw the benefits and the fallbacks towards becoming a corporate guy. And I was a corporate guy for about 12 years before I started my own journey. Um, always wanted to do something new and by myself. And at the same time, you know, just being a collector and a trader um, and an investor. 
um, you know, it, it, this is really, you know, my, my, my presence and my activity in the space is really a culmination um, of all those things that I did in, in childhood, but just taken to a, lot, a much larger stage. Mm. And we share a couple common threads there. First of all, track and field. I was also an athlete and a runner when I was younger, 400 and 800 meter. Very cool. And also the same thing with, with collecting, although I didn't do, I did Magic the Gathering cards as well, but unfortunately no one within my, my circles throughout my childhood or high school had really played or had any interest in Magic the Gathering. But when I was younger, I, I also collected sports cards, mainly baseball, basketball, and football. And I too would, would take my collection or part of my collection to, the, to school and either trade folks <laughs> or, or try to sell some cards. Um, so I have that. It, it's- it's the middle school hustle, boy, right? <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, but you touched on how, and I don't think a lot of people kind of put the like, the entrepreneurial or business side of things, I don't think they often associate that with uh, creativity. But I like to think of like having these these extra, okay, from collecting, what can I do with these cards to to generate either interest or to get my friends excited or to earn some money? I feel like, those questions or challenges that that one poses oneself with and trying to find a solution or answer to them i feel like i found that incredibly creative because there's no there's no roadmap for people to follow they're making things up as they go and i'm wondering if you could kind of unpack based on your experience selling things or creating businesses if you could talk about the creativity involved in in building out that side uh, on the entrepreneurial and business side of things. Absolutely. So I think everyone, again, to your point, I think everyone exercises their creativity in a different manner, right? Um, you know, there are those that are able to exercise their creativity with a, with a, with a pen or brush and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, there are others, you know, while we don't have, um, while we don't have that artistic or, or, or artistic creativity, uh, aesthetic based creativity, um, you know, we, we, we do enjoy problem solving, right? Um, you know, having been in and having managed many projects uh, and companies prior to crypto, um, you know, I, I think it's really after many years of experience and going through similar problems, um, the ability to draw parallels to how you solved one problem five years ago and apply not just the exact tactic, uh, but more so the principle uh, behind what one learned during those trials and tribulations uh, to answer to answer some of these uh, some of these new problems, and they might be slightly different, right? Um, they might be slightly different, but again, uh, being able to to leverage those those principles that you learned earlier on to solve problems that's really where the strength of my creativity lies. Um, the other point that I really do leverage a lot is also learning from other people. Um, very much, you know, the the project that we are currently working on and it's doing extremely well, you know, Whale, um, you know, it wouldn't be what it is uh, without some of the amazing uh, things that were done by Connie Digital, um, Skinny, um, Hackatow, and Xcopy, right? Um, and, you know, the ability to look at a project and say, hey, this is what they got right. This is what could have been better. This is what we can actually do. And on that basis of analysis and looking at, and looking at you know what was previously done and how it can be improved, as well as really looking at 
things that are going on in the greater space and then connecting the dots to see how you can incorporate that within your project as well. Um, you know, that, 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 that can really be deemed as creativity as well. So it's really creativity for me in terms of the construction of projects and the construction of communities or the construction uh, of companies uh, is really looking at the past and seeing what people have done before and how it can be improved. And at the same time, really keeping an open mind in terms of what's going on in the space, integrating that all with the sole purpose of solving a solution, uh, of solving a problem, right? Um, so that's really the way that I look at creativity in business. Um, once again, I, I think you might see a couple of people who come out with that one stunner idea um, that really just breaks everybody's minds. Um, but without that one stunner idea, you know, just to be consistent, that's really the way that I exercise creativity in business. I love that. And like to put it in musical terms, it's almost like, especially if you're taking ideas and examples from people across time, not necessarily contemporaries, it's, it's like jamming or riffing across time. You're, you're taking and incorporating these different ideas. You're synthesizing it with what you're doing at your time, learning from the principles, their, their example, whatever it may be, their attitude even. And you're incorporating that uh, into the own music you're making, so to speak, uh, with whatever the current endeavor is. I, I just feel like it's really important to put what, what you're doing in particular in these creative terms, because I feel like too often, especially since when dealing with crypto, money is usually right at the forefront, just because it is at the forefront and it's baked in, right? We're utilizing this internet money for everything that we do. I feel like a lot of times people kind of get lost in the money and they feel that people that are, are making money or are doing something with money are cold hearted or they lack this kind of like warmth. But what you're doing is a very, very creative pursuit. Uh, so I just really wanted to, to highlight that for folks. But Money is an outcome of doing something well. Um, I think, uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I was, again, I benefited from a lot of mentors, uh, as I still do today. Um, and, you know, every single one of these successful people have always told me that, you know, money is just a way to count the score. Uh, or money is just uh, money, you know, and, and money at the end of the day is, is not to be kept, but it's, it's used to do things. It's a tool, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, while, while I know that the results of the price of whale, right, and, and just, just delving into that a tiny bit, going from 17 cents to $9, $10, and at the high point, $14, uh, might seem uh, the main purpose of, of, of why we started this project. It really isn't. It's a reflection of the quality and of the structural designs uh, that we made for the coin. Um, and that core, and really that, that, that core vision uh, has always been to allow anyone and everyone to become a whale through whale. Um, and, you know, to really just advance that entire, in the entire NFT space. Um, so, you know, I, I think as long as you do the right thing, as long as you follow the right process, you're going to get the right results. Mm, I totally support that. And to, to go back to the other part, not just learning from others, but the problem solving approach, which I also identify with. And I mean, me personally, someone having moved a lot when I was younger and gone through a lot of different experiences in the States and then moving abroad, living abroad, um, 
getting this exposure to different cultures and different ways of doing things. It just, for someone that is tuned into always kind of collecting different approaches, different um, ways to solve problems. I, I just feel like it's the most beneficial thing in the entire world. And it's not just useful to, to solve problems. It's great in terms of like developing interpersonal relationships and just being tuned in more as just a human being in the world. And I know that you're also someone that has a plethora of, of life experiences moving around and also being quite a co cosmopolitan fellow yourself. So I'm just wondering um, if, if you could kind of go back in, in your life and talk about some of the, the places you may have lived or experienced and some of the defining experiences uh, in those different places. I think that'd be a great way to color you in. You're, Matt, you're spot on. Uh, I mean, I think that the more that you see, the more you experience, whether those be failures or successes, um, it really changes your entire point of view and, and how you look at things, how you look at problems, uh, how you deal with problems. Um, so, you know, once again, I, I think as advice to all of the listeners out there, you know, try and do as much as you can. Go to as many places as you can. Um, learn as much as you can. Um, and always keep an open mind because that's really going to help you um, with any single challenge that you meet in the future. Uh, going to your question in terms of my background uh, or, or, or my, my life experiences, uh, if I look back over the past 37 years, so I am 37 this year, um, I've lived and worked in over, you know, in over, in over 10 different countries. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I'd be able to count the number of countries that I've visited. Um, you know, for me, I was born in the UK. So, you know, I, I might not sound British and the only thing British about me is my passport. Um, but I was born in the UK. I uh, really haven't been there much. Um, I, I think the last time I was back in, back in London was, was probably about uh, uh, 15 years ago. Um, spent a lot of my time growing up in the US. So mainly on the East Coast. So New York and Philly. Um, and then after that, uh, when I did start, uh, my professional life, um, worked in the United States, uh, Japan for three years, uh, Taiwan, uh, Korea, um, China. Um, and then after that, really had the chance to just travel all around the world, uh, particularly in a lot of countries in Europe. Um, so, you know, just, just having that background and understanding the cultures of uh, many different nations um, you know, it really helped me help, help me build up my repertoire of how to deal with different people, how to deal with different cultures, um, and really create a, create a unique style, uh, of how to approach business. Um, I could go, I could be in China, I could be in Japan, or I could be in Korea, and I'd probably be mistaken, um, for being a nationality of any of those countries, um, which is interesting for most people when they see it. Um, some of the life-defining moments, I would say, is probably the first time, you know, and, and some of these life lessons are good, some of these life lessons are bad. You know, coming out of college, um, I really didn't understand the value of hard work, um, you, know, uh, you know, simply because I was young and, and, and naive. Um, but it was a real rude wake-up call uh, when I first started, when I first started out professionally, uh, was trying to raise a family. Um, and at that point in time, you know, was, was working for, I think my paycheck was about $1,800 uh, a month, uh, which, in the, which in the U.S. really doesn't go that far. Uh, lived on ramen and canned food for about a year. Um, and then just really learned the value of hard work so that I could move forward uh, and be able to get off uh, ramen and processed food. 
um, for 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 that year. And 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 you know, I, I think that grounding in terms of understanding that hard work it really is everything. Uh, it's the core foundation of everything. Um, that was a very rude but good wake up call for me. Um, then after that, I would say the second defining moment in my life was really understanding. You know, you can work hard, but you really need to have work-life balance. Uh, so when I was in Japan and when I was in Taiwan, uh, I had gotten to the point where I was working 18, 19 hours a day, um, sometimes just sleeping underneath my desk. <laughs> Matthew, and I hope you're getting what you're getting because I, I'm get, you're getting what you wanted because I've never, I've never spoken about these details of my life before. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so literally, I, I would say that there were times where, where I had a pillow and I had a blanket underneath my desk and it would be sometimes working till 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, rolling up underneath my desk for, for four to five hours, getting up and doing it again uh, for a year or two years, right? Um, and that's still in that, that corporate capacity that you had been in for 12 years when you were in Taiwan? Yeah. Yep. I was still, I was still in my corporate uh, capacity. I was, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think I got into the point where I had finally, you know, been able to make ends meet, um, you know, from my experience in the U S where I was, you know, eating. I, and I think, you know, this brand as well, top ramen, worst ramen in the world, Terrible. 25, 25 cents a pack <laughs> garbage ramen. Dude, I was literally, it was top ramen, uh, hungry man, hungry man frozen dinners. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and, Cam- and Campbell soup, my friend. Uh, oh. that, that literally was my diet for one year. Um, so um, Taiwan and, um, and, and, and Japan, you know, it was really another wake up call to understand that, you know, you, you, know, you, you should be, you should, you should work hard. Uh, but you really got to take care of yourself because at that point in time, you know, I, I just, um, you know, my weight started ballooning, um, had a plethora of health issues, uh, wasn't happy, um, was making some good money by then. Um, but, you know, my, 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 psychological, my, my psychological life and my physical life was a wreck. Um, so, you know, really learning from that, understanding what is most important in life. And, you know, some people will say money, some people will say family. Um, you know, some people will say accomplishment, but really, you know, one of the understandings I got from that, it's really about health, right? Because if you don't have your health, you're not going to be able to be there for your family. You're not going to be able there to earn money. Um, and really, you're not going to be able to do anything with achievement because you're just too weak to, to, too physically weak to do anything. Um, so I think that would be the second turning point in my life. And the last one would be, you know, having been in corporate for 12 years, um, for anyone who is in corporate or has been in corporate, uh, you know, everyone knows that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, not everyone climbs up the ladder through hard work, right? Um, you know, I had my fair share of being backstabbed in the corporate world. I did pretty well, uh, reached up to, <laughs> and I, I know that you chuckled down there because you've been in a, in a Korean company before, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. No shortage of <laughs> office politics in that setting. <laughs> yeah, but... At the end of the day, I mean, no matter how hard you work um, for a company, not every, and I'm sure there's some wonderful companies out there, but not every single company is going to take care of you. They're not going to, they're not going to, um, you know, they're, 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 they're not going to create a culture that, 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 that you enjoy. Um, so really, I think that the, the third and final life lesson, and, you know, one of these lessons can also be taken from Steve Jobs' commencement speech. Uh, at Stanford is if you look yourself in the mirror for too many days in a row and you don't really know that you enjoy what you're doing, 
uh, and you really don't like yourself, then you really got to change, right? So something's got to change. Um, and that was the point actually where I decided, you know, to ditch the corporate life, uh, to start up a few companies. Um, didn't start up a few at once, started them one by one. Um, but today, you know, I, I love what I do. I, I love the companies that I've created. Um, you know, I, I'm working with artificial intelligence, working with traditional finance, uh, working with investments in blockchain. Um, and, you know, right now uh, and for the foreseeable future, my main passion is the development of whale. So sorry, I apologize. That was relatively long. Uh, but those were actually my international experiences and the three life lessons um, that really pivoted the way that I look at things. No, that's great. I'm just curious, when you left corporate and you, you did start your own ventures, I'm, I'm curious if you can go into detail on, on maybe one of those ventures and talk about like if it's still going, how you got it off the ground. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard anything about that, only just like the obviously the, the different fields, but I, I find that really, really interesting. And I, I know there's probably other <laughs> lessons to be gleaned uh, from some of those experiences. If you sure. care to talk. So, so Matthew, I have never, so I have never started a project and not ended it in a successful manner. What people don't understand is that, you know, nothing is ever going to go as smoothly as they think. Um, a lot of the times, you know, projects fail is because, you know, people just don't stick to it or they don't have the energy or the resources to keep pursuing it. Um, what I found in life, and you know, this, this maybe only applies to myself, but I'm quite sure it applies to a broader audience, is that if you stick with it, if you have the grit to really you know, just keep pushing even in the hardest times, sometimes success is like one minute, two minutes, five minutes away, a phone call away. Um, the inflection point between failure and success um, is as thin as a hair. Um, so to answer your first question, I have never run a project that does not exist or or, and does not continue to exist uh, in some successful manner today. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably one of the largest things that I do is actually in artificial intelligence. Um, so, you know, with a partner based in San Diego, uh, what we do is we leverage artificial intelligence uh, to be able to identify any single product uh, in a grocery store. And sorry, this is really veering away from crypto. Uh, cool. But you know, <laughs> Interesting, right? Mm. Uh, the, guy, the guy is working with brick and mortar stores uh, while doing crypto at the same time. Um, but, you know, essentially what we do is, you know, if, you know, stores are very much non-automated today. So basically, if they want to make sure that the stores uh, and the shelves are well set, uh, many a times you still have someone walking around with a, uh, a piece of paper and, and checking it off a list uh, and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to make sure that this Mars bar is in um, shelf number 10, position number two, uh, shelf number three, right? Uh, what we're able to do with AI is, you know, once again, we're able to create a solution where people are able to just take a photo uh, of that shelf and automatically behind you, we have AI algorithms, uh, which will understand number one, uh, what is this product? And number two, cross-referencing that with the plan to understand, hey, is this product in the right place? And this right place has been determined to optimize sales. Um, you know, short of uh, spilling who I am and, 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 and where we are, uh, you know, we work with some of the major retailers throughout the world, really automating that, that store operation process. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, what I do, uh, that's what I do with the remaining amount of time uh, outside of Will. 
That's super cool. As someone, when, when I was uh, in high school, one of the part-time jobs that I had had, I uh, was working in a grocery store. Uh, I, I can appreciate the product that you're developing and how much, <laughs> how much time and just wasted effort that something like that saves. Um, it, that's really interesting. So I just... <laughs> Dude, I'm sure you remember getting that, plan- we call it a planogram, right? So getting that planogram and then I was like going to the shelf and checking it off one by one. It was uh, terrible. <laughs> five minutes per shelf when you can uh, actually now get it done in under a minute. And it's just a photo and it not only tells you exactly what's wrong, but it tells you exactly how to fix it, right? Um, so, you know, th- those sort of things. I, I just really love the, just really love where we are at this point in time where you're leveraging crypto, you're leveraging crypto and blockchain technology, uh, you're leveraging artificial intelligence. Uh, it's really a renaissance for technology. And I'm just so honored and, and, and grateful to be in this world at this point in time. I think this is the perfect segue for us to kind of enter crypto and NFT land. One of the things that I was was thinking about before we got on this call together was with all the interactions that I've had with folks that are, are doing amazing things in the, the crypto and NFT space is somehow these people all have like this, this really preternatural comfort with working in this like place that doesn't really exist, right? It's kind of all in our collective imaginations as crypto and NFT land, right? It's purely digital. Um, it's all decentralized. People are all around the world. We very rarely are able to even be in the same room with any of these people. But there is just like this sense of be, of, of purpose of working in, in this um, shared space. I, I know Andrew Steinwald is... I really love his definition for how he's kind of like framing this, this digital space that we're all kind of working and acting in as the metaverse, which is this virtual or digital place where we live, work and play. And I really identify with that. And I feel like some of your life experiences that you just shared living in, in 10 plus countries, traveling to, to many, many more, um, working across these various, very different um, businesses and industries, um, having this, corporate background, but also obviously um, being able to, to have your wits about you to venture out on your own. I feel like all of those experiences kind of open you up to being able to work in this purely digital virtual place that a lot of us are calling either NFT land or the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And our kind of meeting within this metaverse happened around like November, December, 2019, maybe January, 2020. Uh, and it happened because of crypto art and scent essentially. Correct. One of the, the, the questions that I wanted to ask you is kind of, if you could take us back in time, it wasn't that long ago. It feels like ages ago, but if you could take us back in time to like November, December, 2019, um, when you, just started to, to get onto the crypto art scene in super rare. If you could take us back there and just walk us through the next few months of, of your experience back then in crypto art and NFT land. Absolutely, man. Um, once again, it might've been only, it might've been only uh, 12 months ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, it feels like 12 years. Seriously. Uh, crypto, time. <laughs> crypto time. Crypto time is definitely different from real time. And, you know, just before I answer your question, I fully agree. Right. Uh, the, the growth of the metaverse is, is something that's inevitable. Uh, you know, once again, the, the world is so globalized. Um, and 
while I'm a millennial, I, I, I'm, I, I do behave like a boomer sometimes. Um, I, do enjoy, <laughs> I do enjoy the handshake. I do enjoy the eye contact. Um, but, you know, it, it's, not, it's not possible, right? With, with, with the way that the, the, the world is and business is becoming so globalized, it's not possible. And it's, it's, honestly, it's health-wrecking uh, to get on six flights a week. Uh, trust me, I've been there and done that. Um, you know, the, the metaverse, the metaverse is inevitable. It's just, it's not, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Um, so, you know, once again, a l- huge kudos, um, uh, to you and the whip team, uh, as well as Andrew on, on, on really, on really pushing that narrative, because I think it's, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first entered the crypto art space, uh, Honestly, the first thing I was looking for was for information, right? I, I think anybody who is looking to understand a sector or, or a place better is really looking for information. And that first step for me um, was not sent, but rather, rather you deserve a drink. Um, I, remember, I remember being in Beijing. So I was in Beijing uh, uh, when, I first, uh, when I first really started delving into it. I had learned about crypto the day before. Uh, had not slept the entire night because I was collecting artwork on crypto uh, on on super rare. Uh, hopped on the flight to Beijing, got into Beijing, and started looking for information. And and really, the first thing that cropped up was you deserve a drink. Binge listened uh, to every single episode that you guys had out there um, over, over the course of over the course of a day. Um, and really gave me a lot of insight in, into what was going on. Um, after that. Uh, you know, the second place of information uh, that really appealed to me was because because you and Rizzle were so tied to to Scent. Um, uh, I, I hopped on Scent, right? Hopped on Scent, registered an account, uh, did not post, so was a long-time lurker, first-time poster, um, but was just reading all of these posts and, 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 and really understanding what was going on uh, in NFT land. Um, you know, read posts from yourself, from Rizzle, from Skinny, from No Shot, um, from Connie, and, and it was really just getting up to speed in terms of what was going on. So that's, uh, that's still, and it remains an amazing resource for people to learn about the space in a very friendly and very democrat, uh, democratic environment. Um, was really thrilled to learn that Scent uh, had this sort of incentivized mechanism uh, where you could post um, and, you know, once again, your, your, your post could be recognized uh, by contributions from, for the community. Love it then, loved it still today, um, still avidly posts on Scent as well. Um, but then after that, from you guys, I moved on to CryptoVoxels. Um, I think the first CryptoVoxel gallery that I saw was from Ophelia Fu. Um, I collected a ton of her work uh, when I first entered. I know she's a little bit more quiet in the space. Um, Matthew would, would love to have you interview her one day. Um, sure. But, you know, she had her gallery up in CryptoVoxels and, and I saw it and it, it instantly could click one one in one with me because if digital art is worth something and the way to digitalize art uh, or sorry, the way to create provenance and scarcity for digital art is NFTs, um, you need to have a place to display those digital art. Right, because not everyone is going to have ten, you know, forty-six inch TVs in their in their in their house, or not everyone is going to have twenty murals. There has to be a way to do it through VR. Um, and really, back then, uh, and I think still today, crypto voxels remains the number one choice uh, for artists to create virtual-based galleries. Um, so jump down that rabbit hole, uh, and then after that, you know, being in the scent community. 
being in the crypto voxel community, being in the crypto art community. Um, it was just another rabbit hole from that, from there on, uh, met Jim McNellis. Um, he dragged me down even further and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 12 months later, I'm invested in 52 projects with over 10,000 NFTs. Um, and, 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 you know, the, 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 the founder of, uh, of the largest social token based on NFTs, um, it just made sense, Matt, right? I mean, when you take a look at it and you take a look at the digitalization of the world, the metaverse is a very large part of that. And if you can understand that really that's the next evolution uh, of human interactions and, and socialization, um, all of it makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, the, the VR component with the crypto art, I, that is what sealed it for me too, um, obviously combined with the warmth and openness of the artists in the space and being able to, to get to know what they're doing and, and feel that passion, feel the real creative passion and, and watch the, the work in progresses take, take form and solidify into the, the end product that gets placed on the marketplace that people can scoop and, and then just own, right? I mean, it all works in such great harmony, I feel like. But I'm, I'm wondering if, and of course, like the, the people in the space, I am so, so, I have to pinch myself with how, how lucky I feel that I am. And I'm sure you do the same thing. And, and being in the space at this time with just this, the amount of great people who are open and positive and, and so generous with their time and insights uh, to, to collaborate with, to talk, to, to soundboard off of, there's literally no better creative place on earth. I mean, I like to think about this space as like the ideal startup right? Where people, you have an idea, you can boom, put into action, find your collaborators, go and pursue it and see if it has legs. And this whole space is just that, that, that perfect incubator of talent and ideas and the tools that people have at their disposal to, to utilize and project. It's just every single day it continues to grow. Dude, it's amazing. It's, it's because again, I, th- I think when you look at 99% of the people who are involved in NFT or NFT land, you know, money is money is far down the priority list, right? Mm-hmm. I think everyone just sees this revolution and this, this renaissance that they just want to be a part of, they want to contribute, um, you know, they, they just want to make this place better. Right. Um, and granted, you know, I, while I wish that I wish for NFT land that 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 sort of community spirit continues all the time. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's really those people that make this place so special. And it's, it's why you and I spend, you know, 16 to 18 hours a day glued to our computers, uh, talking to people <laughs> on Twitter, talking to people on Discord, right? Yep, yep. It's amazing. Absolutely. I'm wondering if we could go back a little bit, because I know there is a point in time where you were collecting, particularly on Super Rare. And then there was definitely a, a switch that was flicked. And then the, the vault kind of uh, came up. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, I understand the progression. I can totally kind of like intuitively feel like what happened and what clicked. But I'm wondering if you could like walk us back on a more granular granular level into like when you were collecting and then you were like, okay, this this can form the basis of something bigger, obviously, which will kind of dovetail into our conversation uh, that we can focus more on uh, whale community, right? Absolutely. So when I first entered the in, entered into the greater NFT land, um, I had no idea that we were going to launch a fractional based ownership of NFTs called the Vault and Whale. Uh, dude, if, if I did, if I did have that intention, um, I, I I think that 
you know, number one, I'd, I'd be a total genius, which I'm not. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I might've done things a tiny bit differently. Right. Um, but you know, when I first entered the space, the, I, uh, uh, the first thing I collected, uh, was Euro Miran. I think in one, mm. in one single night, and this was the night before I traveled to Beijing, um, you know, I, I, I collected, I collected 10 to 20 pieces of his artwork because it really spoke to me. Right. Um, I still collect him today because I just love the way that he integrates artificial, uh, artificial intelligence again with, uh, with, with all of the abstract um, designs that he has. Um, you know, art for me, uh, coming into crypto art uh, was really about me realizing a aspirational dream that I've had for many years, which was to collect art. Uh, the traditional art environment was way too snobbish and, and the learning and the supposed learning curve uh, was way too high, um, you know, for me to, for, for, for me to want to enter that space. But when I went into crypto art, Hey, I can collect what I love and I can collect it an- anonymously. Right. Um, so really that was the primary driver behind the collecting of art. Um, the collecting of crypto voxel parcels, once again, I, I fell in love with the whole concept of the metaverse and still very much in love today. Huge holder of crypto voxels as well as the sandbox. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I just loved creating, right? So I, I, loved, I loved the fact that, hey, now we have a, a, a metaverse or a part of the metaverse uh, where I can display this crypto art. Um, so, you know, a, as I proceeded to go from project to project to project, um, you know, I never collected for the vault, right? Because the, the idea of the vault didn't hit me till uh, I think it was February, uh, January or February of this year, right? And by then, by then, I think I think we all know by by January, I, I had already uh, put together one of the largest collections of NFTs uh, in the space. Um, you know, the journey of a collector is really, really lonely. <laughs> uh, uh, you're collecting for yourself. Um, you're collecting, you know, and, and while you might be able to show people some of the things that you collected, um, it, it's not as um, collaborative uh, as I would have liked it to be, right? Um, you know, to, and, you know, once again, NFTs do form a very small part of my portfolio. And what I saw was that this amazing community with amazing people, um, we're, 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 we're building this, we're building this entire industry um, with limited to no compensation. Um, it was then that my real, that my social entrepreneur side of me uh, really kicked in. Uh, and I was thinking, Hey, how can I share that? How can I share that collection with everybody? It's, it's the most epic collection. It's one of the most epic collections ever. Um, you have this entire community of people who have, uh, contributed and who had grown this uh, this this industry, um, is it possible for me to number one make my journey as a collector less lonely, uh, and then number two really share this collection with the people who really built the industry? Um, so that's really where uh, whale re- the idea of whale really kicked in. I guess the real turning point was at a point when we saw F, you know, going up to back then it was going up to 220 and then it crashed back down to like a hundred. And then you saw all the crypto artists saying, you know, I, I've just lost 50% of my net worth. I've just, you know, it's, it's because a lot of people are subject to whale games, right? Nefarious whale games. Um, and the third point was creating whale and basing it on a stable currency 
uh, I could not only reward the people who are really growing the space, but at the same time, I could give them something that they could hold on to and they would not have to worry about it crashing to, uh, crashing to, to, to one third of the value. Right. Um, so that really was the turning point. And I guess the last, the last point um, is before launch again, um, we were thinking about market making at a very low price. Um, once again, to allow that to allow that whale to be distributed. Um, but you know, conversing with the community had great advice. Said, you know, what's the point in market making? Why don't we just give it all away for free, right? Um, <laughs> so you know, that really also, um, I guess, it, it, it put whale on steroids, right? Uh, and while some people exited, some people remained. Um, a lot of people remained actually from Maiden Voyage, um, continued to support the wonderful people who, who built, who built, who built the, the, the mouthpiece uh, for NFT land, uh, like, like yourselves, like Andrew, uh, like William Peaster. Um, because, you know, I have a lot of respect for you guys. You guys have been doing this for over a year now. Uh, when you first entered the space, you guys did it as a, a labor of love and, and you guys didn't expect any compensation or support from it. Um, so really kudos to all of you, man. Mm -hmm. Just to, to clarify too, like you have been giving out these, these whale grants, I think almost for, we're about to go on to the sixth month or we're on yep. month five, something uh, like no, that. No, you're spot on about to go into the sixth month. Yeah, and then it, I just, <laughs> it's, it's been so incredible. First of all, just from a pure monetary perspective to see the appreciation over that short <laughs> amount of time. Um, like in the beginning, it, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely funny money. And yep. when people first come across social currency, especially for a creator or entity that just created their first social care, it's, it's, it has very, very little value. Obviously whale was different from the very beginning because there is this, this premise obviously that the, your vault is, what kind of undergirds that value, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. But still, I mean, there's obviously like the the day to day the day to day um, trading value of the social currency, which in the very early days was was very small comparatively. It's very, it was it was like okay, I can throw this money around. But the incredible thing for us in particular, I, I know that you gave it to to Rizzle for what he's doing on the Token Smart podcast, and yep. for uh, you deserve a drink, which kind of had a weird brand change to the, the Matthew and Rizzle show. Um, <laughs> but you deserve a drink. Yep. Used to stick. Um, but we were able to take those funds and the most impactful way for us to use them was, was with the whip and not just using it like for the audience as, as a way to bring in attention to, for new audience members and attendees, uh, but to build out what has become a whip crew, like, a group of 12 people who are contributing, working on this project, obviously part-time right now, uh, but in very, very meaningful ways, uh, like as a legitimate side hustle and getting paid in whale and then having those individuals accrue and amass their whale holdings and become members within the whale community, um, having their own kind of being able to use those funds, however they may, and to pay them, pay that whole outfit and, to grow the whip into to what it's become today, which last week season finale um, for season two, we had over 500 people attend the whip across crypto voxels and discord over 500 people. 
That is insane. I remember, I remember listening to the Token Smart podcast and celebrating along with you guys as you reach fifty, as you reach a hundred, <laughs> yep, five hundred. Yep. That is, that is by far the largest meetup in NFT land and in the metaverse by far. One hundred percent. We're competing with like these quote unquote virtual conferences that spring up like once or twice a year at the moment. Like we're doing this every week, but it's been in no small part due to the generosity and the foresight that you've had with these whale grants. And I told you before uh, in private, but I just want to double down now. I feel like in the future, when the history books are open and we see what was happening at the, the beginning of the metaverse, your whale grants are going to go down as one of the most important milestones in that. And the people that have been collecting it up front early on, I, I know they're going to go on to be to, to do such big and grand things uh, and to have that support is just so massive. So a big thank Matt, you from me. No, no, man. Matt, thank you. I mean, once again, thank you to all of, all of the people, you know, who, who had the foresight, you know, once again, I came in late, um, but you know, really <laughs> huge late. Thank, <laughs> late, right. Uh, but just a huge thanks to all of you uh, for really not only creating the information, but also creating the culture um, that we see today in NFT land. Um, you know, just looking back, I wish I could have told you that. Uh, and, and when I issued those well grants, told you guys, hold on, it's going to reach $10. It's going to be, it's going to be $10,000 for each project. Just hold on. But you know, I, I didn't have that. I, 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 I w- I've been surprised by the growth of whale myself. Right. Um, I think when we first issued grants, I think they were at the, the price of whale was, was what? 25 cents, 27 cents. Um, you know, had a liquidity pool of maybe a hundred thousand dollars, um, really not that liquid to where we are today, uh, where a single whale can be worth anywhere between nine to eleven dollars given the day, and you know, a real liquidity pool of approaching one point five million dollars, uh, which means that those grants really come into play now, um, and hopefully become even bigger in the future. Mm. Going forward into the future, I mean, what is your plan for the grants um, and the grant program? Is that something that you are going to continue to architect and lead? Is that something that will be like a member of the whale community has plans and designs for? Like, So grants, grants will always be a part of the whale community. Uh, after the initial five grantees, uh, we've added on another four. Um, so roughly on a, on a pace of about one per month. Um, you know, I, I think the original whale grants were, were meant to reward um, and to help uh, as well as enable um, many of the uh, NFT land OGs. Uh, there are some amazing projects coming out. Um, and, you know, but by, you know, it, it's really our pleasure to, to help, you know, foster uh, that spirit of innovation and, 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 and progress. Uh, with a lot of these new projects as well. Um, moving forward, the Whale DAO, uh, which was established a month ago, uh, but really only went into effect um, at the beginning of this month, uh, will determine, you know, the 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 next the next round of um, the next round of uh, uh, of, of of grantees. Um, again, uh, you deserve a drink or whip, uh, along with, uh, along with, uh, token smart, uh, we're the only grantees who received the 12 month grant. Uh, so we do have another, we do have some grants, uh, being released, uh, after this month's payout. Uh, and we will, you know, once again, if, if there's a space, you know, with a, if there's a project with a track record of giving to the community, 
um, and of, you know, doing things out of passion and not for the money, um, we'd be more than happy to make those grants. Um, in addition to that, Matthew, I think what you might have heard is we also have a $500,000 VC fund um, that just got set up. It's called, uh, it's called uh, Will Tank. Um, it's grown from 80000 to 500000 over the course of two months. Um, for those that are looking for profitability, have a great idea, who are dedicated to their projects, uh, those projects will be able to apply for a, for a whale tank, uh, a whale tank grant as well. Um, so really, you know, we split it up. We got whale grants to reward those who, you know, have have that real selfless streak um, to 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 benefit the community, and we have whale tank, uh, which acts as our incubator and our vir- our venture capital arm. I mean, just the name whale tank obviously associates with <laughs> Shark Tank. I could imagine in the future on a whip just having a pitch off or a, yeah, a pitch off with some of the yep. that submit their pitches and ideas um, to, to sh- shout them out and to see what the community, how they respond and perhaps factor that into getting awarded. That's exactly what we're lo- exactly what we're looking to do. Uh, once again, we're probably not going to be as harsh as Shark Tank. Um, you know, it's not it's not it's not in my nature to put money above all. Um, so we will be a lot more humane. Um, but again, I think we do have to be extremely cognizant of the fact that ninety nine percent of the projects uh, might not live beyond one or two years, and we just got to be extremely smart about who and and when we decide to invest in projects. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at this point, I mean, we we touched on it, and you'd mentioned it. Um, like there is this this vault, like the largest, most valuable collection, and I would say one of the dopest collections of of not just crypto art but NFTs in the universe. Uh, <laughs> Thank just you. Just an incredible statement. <laughs> Thank you, um, my friend. Not a single work or item has been sold off. That's that's my understanding. Is that correct? That is correct. I have so. Once again, we've, I, I personally collected, let me think here. Uh, so there's about 4,000 in the vault. There's another 9,000 outside of the vault that will enter the vault. Uh, and then there's another, I want to say, so gods and chain cards, 200, I want to say 200,000. Uh, I, I got I to go back and check. But out of, out of all of those NFTs that I bought over the course of the last uh, 15 months, um, I have never sold a single NFT before, ever. And very proud of that fact as well. Oh, definitely. And it's a really, really interesting point because in the, the process, you had um, nonfungibles.com and a few other folks come in and perform an audit on the collection. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you could talk about that audit process, like what went into it, um, some of the tricky, trickier parts of the evaluation uh, and how that how those those tricky items were resolved. I think that'd be interesting to hear. So I think the the inclusion of nonfungible.com as our completely independent and objective auditor for the vault was a necessary one. Um, There's no way that I could have launched Whale and said, hey, I'm going to be the one who's going to evaluate this. Um, You know, it's just, it just doesn't make sense, right? (laughs) A little Um, off, something smells a little funky there. Just a tiny bit, right? So, you know, what, what, what I, I approached on fungible.com and said, hey, why don't you audit the vault? Um, I'll make you a chief partner. And once again, I will have no say whatsoever in, in what you guys decide to evaluate uh, the vault at. You guys, you know, once again, I, I, I'd love to see the report before you issue it. Um, you know, but it's not up to me to say yes or no. Um, that's, <clears throat> that is completely in your field. Um, and, you know, that's the way that we've continued uh, for the last four audits. Um, 
basically what nonfungible.com did was they created an automatic algorithm uh, as well as with some, with some manual intervention uh, to be able to look at every single project in the space and based on past sales, be able to evaluate, you know, how much is this NFT worth? Um, I do know that they partnered uh, with, I believe, Mocha uh, to be able to get a better valuation on what art pieces are. Because again, art pieces are extremely hard to evaluate um, when you don't have uh, an extensive amount of of history in the space. Um, You can evaluate based on an artist, but not every single piece is going to be valued at the same price. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of intricacies there that, that still need to be built up. Um, the, what I see from the valuation process right now, uh, is that right now the team is using a past sales approach, uh, towards the valuation of assets in the vault. Uh, now when you do that, basically what you're evaluating is you're evaluating past sales, probably from the majority of traders, right? Uh, traders or, you know, a, a handful of, of, of investors or longtime holders. Now, you know, I don't think that it, that is an accurate, a fully accurate uh, portrayal uh, of the value of an NFT. I think in the future, it, the value of an NFT really needs to be spread across three dimensions. The first thing, they got it nailed down, it's previous sales. The second thing that needs to be evaluated is current pricing and current market scarcity, right? So you're evaluating the past, you're evaluating the present. And then after that, what needs to happen is that they need to in, they need to include some sort of price prediction modeling uh, to understand what it could be worth in the future. So you know, once again, taking a weighted average of past pricing, current par- current market pricing and scarcity, as well as an ele- element of price prediction. That's really when we'll get to a very mature stage uh, of NFT v- asset valuation. Um, hopefully, coming soon. <laughs> Always coming soon. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, hot, hot two minutes. Two hot minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I find that process endlessly fascinating, and it's it's just again so fortunate to be at the very beginning of this this process when everyone is going to be able to have their own opinions and ideas of how to influence um, that that auditing and pricing. Because um, I know that you're a large collector of crypto art, and I barely see you release any of your pieces. Right? I, I think. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I have, I really wanted to test my thesis early on. So I'm like, I've divided collectors into like act, like developing their thesis, which I, I think you fall into that bucket, right? Until you sell something off, like it's always speculative. And obviously we, we know that you're going to make money back. And at some point I'm sure you'll be make, making way more uh, than you put in. <laughs> um, but then for me, I, it was really important for me, obviously as a, a smaller collector compared to you, um, but a collector that's put like a non-trivial amount of money into this brand new asset class to make money back and to make a profit. So I, I've been very, very selective in the pieces that I let go and always making sure that when they are let go, like I, I'm hitting a certain multiple uh, of my investment. And, and you're, a sa- you're a savvy investor. Uh, I mean, the 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 NFT economy is always going to is go, always going to have uh, you know short term traders, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, midterm collectors, uh, sorry midterm investors and long term. 
Um, so, you know, again, I, I've, I, I have, I am in awe of your collection. You might be a smaller collector, but I, I love the collection that I've seen. Um, you also have that original first piece uh, by, I think it's JaVinci and a lot of money, right? Hell, that collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is an epic piece. That is an <laughs> epic piece. <laughs> oh, I, I think, did, did I, I think I might've come in on one bid while you were bidding on that. Luckily um, you did not right after that. I did not. Is, the, after that is when you kind of swooped in, <laughs> made the big splash. And I was like, thank you for not going in on that. I think Cody was in on this. I know I got into the bid war with Robness uh, towards the uh, end of it. But thank, thank you for missing this one. <laughs> that is an that is an amazing piece, by the way, and it will not sell for just multiples. It will sell for many, many multiples. Um, you know, I, I, I think you know as, as as we delve into art as well. I mean, I, I mean, um, the, the the audience coming into crypto art right now are largely from crypto. Um, you know, I, I think this is a discussion that, that the community has had before. What is crypto art? Um, but, you know, having, having those, just those beautiful pieces that are not only just beautiful pieces of art, but also have an element of crypto to it, um, those are really going to strike chords with the crypto community as a whole. Yep. And it's, it's part of the whole history that's getting built out, right? Um, there's, right. there's so much that goes into every, every piece, but certain pieces just have so much more value for all their associations. I mean, the moments that they were purchased, the environment, like the, the series of events that kind of they set in motion or, or were set in motion after that. It's just, it's so fascinating. It's, it's a way to write history. I, I think to be involved. Dude. And as a collector, you have a very small role in that history, but it's, it's very key role. If you, I mean, you've been here for, for way longer than I have, but even if you just look at the art market back in, back in November of last year, you really only had two whales. Uh, and, 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 and we were, we were mainly bidding in, in, in super rare. And, and, and yeah. after that, you know, maker's place, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was moderata myself. Yep. Um, if I look at any one of those three platforms, maker's place, known origin or super rare today, um, you know, you, and you, you, number one, you also see the inclusion of new platforms like, like Nifty Gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, async. But you, you async, yep, absolutely. You, you got whales left, right, and center now, um, yes. which is insane. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, and the one thing that the space needed is, is the, a, a more built out collector base. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was it was very shallow. It is still somewhat shallow. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. always need more collectors. So they, we, there's mm-hmm. no denying that. Nifty yep. Gateway, I think, has been instrumental or played a key role in helping build out a more diverse collector base. And one of the things that I talked with, like for example, jo- Josie about, um, mm-hmm. and one of her decisions to branch out from her own storefront on OpenSea to a place like Nifty Gateway w- was the ability to connect with a brand new collector base um, that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily crypto first, but they're coming in and, and getting exposure just because of the, I mean, positive associations Nifty Gateway has um, with Gemini and all that, like, um, and just more approachable with the, the credit card sales and, and everything like that. Oh, no, I just want to, I just want to chime in and just say that, you know, there are a lot of artists that are coming into the space. There's tons of well-known artists 
that actually want to enter the space. And, you know, surprisingly enough, um, you know, I, I love the Nifty Gateway guys, but they're number one. A lot of these artists, these famous artists, their number one choice for dropping is Nifty Gateway. Yeah. Um, they, they asked me, hey, how, how can I get in touch uh, with Duncan and Griffin? <laughs> more than happy to make those, uh, make those recommendations as it just brings more quality content into the space. But, um, you know, I, I think as we move forward, we're going to see more digital galleries. We are going to see more... Um, more collectors. We are going to see more artists coming into the space. And, and this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I mean, when we're talking about these different marketplaces and well, this is this is a conversation that I had wanted to have since I had seen it unfold in, in Discord uh, <laughs> maybe a month or so ago. I, with CryptoTime, I'm never, it's always a little bit hard to judge. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't last week. I, I'm sure of that. Um, but there was actually there was a few moments um, when you had kind of publicly announced. I think I think known origin was the first one where you had stated that mm-hmm. you would no longer be purchasing correct work from that platform. And then uh, I'm not sure how long after that, but then uh, there was an announcement from you about Super Rare uh, and and deciding not to purchase work from there. Uh, we don't have to go into the full backgrounds of, of why, because I feel like that's been hashed out elsewhere and we don't need <laughs> Yes, it has. Um, yep. But the question that I'd wanted to bring up was that obviously within the vault, like a non-trivial number of the, the crypto art works in your possession come from uh, Super Rare in particular. Mm-hmm. And yep. obviously the whale project is, is a community in name, proper name, um, and then obviously in, in function. And there's a lot, of, a lot of members of that community now. And that decision at the time, it seemed very, very unilateral. Obviously, you're, you're the creator and you have that decision-making ability. But I'm curious, like, what went into it? And then, like, afterwards, if you could go back in time and, and in the future, if you had, you're confronted with a similar decision, would you make that same unilateral decision? Or is that something heading forward that, like, is something that the community would have to or be privy to uh, helping inform such a decision? That's a, that's a wonderful question, Matt. And, you know, I, I'm not going to go into the background on that, but what I can say is that, again, there was a difference in values and principles uh, and that were not monetary, right? Uh, I've, I've, I, I believe I should be uh, the largest collector on known origin uh, as well as I'm definitively uh, the largest collector on super rare uh, in terms of dollar value. Uh, there was a difference in values. Uh, there was a difference in community values and principles that I saw that I just couldn't step away from. And being someone who puts values and principles uh, over profitability, um, it was a decision that I had to make as, as an individual then. Um, now, right now, the vault is being funded purely by, you know, all, all of the additions that you see from the vault uh, are, are being funded purely from, from, from my own crypto stash at the moment. Um, at the end of the day, what I want to see is, you know, that, 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 that funding comes from the sale uh, as well as the revenue generation of assets in the vault. Um, at that point in time, you know, where to collect, when to collect, how to collect, what to collect uh, will really all be done by the, by the whale DAO. It'll, it'll all be done by the whale DAO. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with as a, as a founder of whale um, is, is, again, I, I, I lose a tiny bit of autonomy. Uh, as an individual, because I'm so closely closely tied to the tied to the project itself, right? Um, my values and my principles might not reflect those of the of the greater community. Uh, while we while we usually are 99% aligned, um, 
and really that announcement, you know, not, you're asking a very fair question because after that, I did have to field some questions from the whale community, uh, received a lot of support for that decision. Um, would I do it again? Absolutely. Um, but I would have done it in a, in a different way, right? Um, I think at some point in time, um, back then the whale DAO wasn't active as of yet. Um, but moving forward, you know, the decisions of where and when and how to collect, number one, um, will take place when the whale community becomes a self-sufficient revenue generation entity. Um, and then after that, number two, it'll purely be done uh, through the whale DAO. Um, you know, I, the other last point I want to bring up, Matt, uh, pertaining to this is that the barrier to entry uh, for creating an art gallery is so low. Um, I think you and I have seen how, how many, it used to be only three, right? It used to be three, three, four, maybe, right? If you count, um, if you count some of the smaller ones. Um, I, I think there are maybe about 15 to 20 platforms today. Um, and the artists that post on these platforms, they're usually cross-platform, uh, three at a minimum, uh, five or six if they're, if they're prolific. Um, so really those decisions that I made didn't really affect uh, the quality uh, of art that I continue to invest in and give to the whale community through the vault. Um, I think as you, you know, you brought up Josie. Josie is, is an amazing artist. Love her work. Wish I had more, um, but extremely hard, <laughs> extremely hard to get. Dude, it's so hard to get a Josie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, artists like her enjoy, you know, creating their own, their own storefront. Um, you know, you know, I, 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 I applaud artists for doing that. And I think we're going to see a lot of that more in the future. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's, you know, it was really sad for me because, um, I, I, I had, I had had a very good professional and personal relationship, uh, with both of those platforms. Um, it was a difference in, 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 in values and principles, um, that, you know, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't compromise on. Um, but I do wish them the best and, you know, moving forward, uh, who knows what, 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 what holds in the future, um, would le would love to see some of those, uh, I guess, actions, um, that were promised during that time, you know, uh, take place, uh, haven't seen it yet. Um, it, have, have they, have, have, have they been activated already? Community guidelines and stuff like that? Uh, right after that kerfuffle emerged, they published, um, a new terms of community. So as far as I know, that is in place and it's a work in progress, how they're going to incorporate that. But it's, I mean, it's, it's really, I commented within the discord after this happened and seeing them take that stance. I mean, from a, a community management perspective, it's, it's pretty, pretty revolutionary because a lot of what will happen or like the, the core element of that is it's not just what happens or takes place within their channels it's what what happens across other channels and and that is something that no project uh, as far as i know um that has a community has implemented um so it's it's a great experiment do you know what the ultimate solution is though and it's inevitable that this is going to happen uh for almost every single decentralized platform 
Give it to me. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it it's, it's, token, it's tokenization of governance, man. Uh, it's definitely uh, tokenization of governance. I mean, you've seen it with, uh, you know, I, I, you've seen it with that platform who I will not name. Um, <laughs> uh, in, my, in my opinion, poorly done. Invisible um, shots you know, fired. <laughs> invisible shots fired. Invisible bullet. Invisible, invisible missile. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. You've, seen it, you've seen it happening. And, you know, really, honestly, when the entry barriers to this sort of activity is so low, the only way that you can continue to succeed is if you foster loyalty uh, among your collector and creator and creator uh, creator base, right? The best way to be able to do that is, you know, give your major collectors or give all of your collectors and give all of your creators uh, a voice in the governance and, 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 and the profitability, right? Um, when you see platforms start to do that, then you're going to see stickiness, um, I think it's inevitable that you will see every single decentralized, whether that's art, crypto art platform, whether that's crypto game platform, move to some sort of tokenized governments as well as, if possible, uh, tokenized profit sharing, whereby, you know, you'll really be able to tie your collectors, your creators and everybody into, uh, in, into the project for the long term. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. And, and that also provides a, an, an answer to the folks that are, are saying, well, if people are, are getting kicked, if certain artists, um, certain renegade artist types are getting kicked off of a particular uh, marketplace, where can they go? What can they do? Like, wh- they can just spin up their own community if they want to, or marketplace. Like, like you mentioned, the barrier to entry is so, so small. But this is, this is the, the key part that a lot of people miss in community curation and community growth and development is that the early community and the seeds within that early community are absolutely pivotal for its long-term success. If you're not weeding out elements that don't align with your values, that are unsavory, you're, you're going to have a spoiled field of a community heading forward. And it's just, it's going to be rotten. But you you can be idealistic and think that that's not the case and come with open arms for everyone and and have no barriers there but i've not seen a community succeed long term that that approaches it from that perspective and i feel like that's it's a really important it's a tough discussion and it's always going to be divisive because we're talking about values that may be shared and may not be shared but because crypto and the tools available to us provide such a low barrier to spinning up our own communities and marketplaces and whatnot. Um, these are experiments that we'll see play out. But I mean, I have certain hypothesis, hypotheses on how certain communities will work <laughs> or not work um, that you may, may share with me. But I feel like that's a really important point to, to also make in this discussion. I, I mean, a couple of, you know, two sayings, right? You can't be everything to everyone, right? Uh, there, there, is no, there is no everything to everyone crypto platform, uh, except for OpenSea, right? Uh, OpenSea is awesome. Um, but, and then number two, uh, uh, saying from my literature professor, um, uh, sit on the fence and you prick your balls, right? So I think that's, <laughs> that's something that we all have to understand. Right? Don't sit on the fence. Um, and just the last point, in terms of, in terms of uh, the barrier to entry, I, I think the whale community has already proven it, right? Uh, what we did, we did something called whale NFT mining, uh, where we established a pot of 2,000 whale that were distributed to whale artists um, who, who were curated. Um, uh, at the end of the month, we, 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 we divide that 2,000 whale up 
by the percentage of sales that each artist make. Um, and then after that, they also get all of the sales of all of their art in whale that they sell for whale, uh, completely sold out, completely sold out in, 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 in September, a hundred and, uh, I think it was about 143 ETH. Um, then after that, in, uh, in, in, in October, we just released Ikaitsa's, uh, Ikaitsa's piece, uh, sold out within four minutes, right? Uh, anyone with access to artwork, uh, who knows a tiny bit about, you know, how to create a smart contract as well as mint so that people can see it on OpenSea, how to create a storefront on OpenSea can become an art gallery, right? The barrier to entry is just way too low. I just want to flag what you're talking about too, like spinning up your own smart contract crypto. Like these things sound very technical, but they're, they're great examples of no code tools that everyone has at their disposal. And the experiment that you're talking about with um, like this whale fund and funding artists and, and whatever funds come in, like distributing that equally amongst like based on the sales to the artists and community members, blah, blah, blah. Like this, these are no code experiments that everyone <laughs> can run and people can come up with their own experiments. And there's no better place to try these no code experiments. I mean, the barrier is so low. All you need is an idea, come up, throw it out to any community, spin up your own community. This is the future. Like we are just, early days in trying to show people what's possible. And it's just so exciting. We can't do more enough of this. Dude, if a, if, if a, if a millennial who acts like a boomer can do it, anyone can, right? <laughs> and that's the first thing. And then the second thing, I mean, take a look at WIP. I mean, whenever you guys promote uh, a single digital wearable uh, project, and I, I know sneakers and whatnot, dude, they, 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 it's, it's a hustle to get even one, right? Um, I tried, I tried once, uh, it, my fingers are not fast enough, <laughs> can, can probably never do it again, but you're absolutely right. As long as you have a community, a solid community with, 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 with aligned values, aligned visions, and you have great products, um, you know, the community store is the store of the future, right? hundred percent. Absolutely. And well, looking forward and, and coming to the end of this discussion, I'm just curious, like what's what's next and what does the space need heading forward so i think what's next is really the maturing so as as an industry as a whole um what i'm seeing is the maturing of the industry right the maturing of 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 everything within the nft industry um, I think, again, all of us were very lucky to be here, you know, at the beginning or, or quote unquote early, right? Um, but the last one month in NFT land has probably been the most exciting. Um, it, it's probably been the most exciting time in NFT land that I've seen in the last 15 months. Uh, I'm literally on a call with... Uh, institutional investors or larger investors who are looking to enter into the space every day, um, at least one or two a day. Um, on top of that, you know, you're seeing the buzz and, and people moving from DeFi coming into the space. Um, uh, you see, you see artists, really famous artists, actually uh, coming into the space as well, looking for advice. Where do I, where do I get on board? How do I do this? You know, uh, can you have me? Dude, I, I, 
and you and I got to talk at some point in time, but I have had so many requests um, to introduce uh, platforms and projects to you uh, for, for spotlight. <laughs> you would not believe it. So I, I will, I will drop you all of those, those, those contacts in the tiny bit. Um, but I basically, I, I think you're going to see a huge increase in the number of people within the space, as well as the increase in the amount of money in the space, um, you know, to, to really take it to number one maturity. And then number two, uh, take it to a mass market, right? You, you brought up um, you brought up Nifty Gateway, who you know with credit card payments are really expanding it to the mass market. Uh, you see MBA Top Shots and and what they're doing again. Their 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 core target isn't the crypto market. It's 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 um, it's real collectors uh, who don't have an exposure to crypto. Uh, Terra Virtua is another one, right? They're creating 3D collectibles um, again uh, with blockchain in the back. Uh, uh, and and the user experience in front. Um, this is Matt. I think this is just the beginning, man. Uh, this is really just the beginning, and I don't see this momentum slowing down. Um, however, what I do see is that this boom in NFT land is not going to be the same as a boom in cryptocurrency or DeFi, uh, simply because NFTs are non fungible. Um, just because you own an NFT doesn't mean you're going to benefit from the boom uh, because some NFTs will go up and some NFTs will go down, right? Or, or, will, or, will, or will stagnate. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I've tweeted this a couple of times already, but I think with this new moon or boom in NFT land, you're going to see tastemakers and you're going to see loss makers. Um, you know, just, just be smart about, just, you know, just to the audience, just be smart about your investments, um, if if what you're looking for is a monetary return, mm-hmm. it's NFT land is really interesting. Um, there's there's all this interest that is coming in, and you're right. I mean, this I feel like every month is the most interesting month in, in <laughs> land, but this this most recent month, we're still technically in it, is is by far the the most exciting and you can see the floodgates have opened uh to a large extent from folks coming in from DeFi, like you mentioned definitely outsiders paying attention and and seeing some of the larger sales that are happening and hopping in and then obviously and most excitingly that the creators that are really getting excited about this coming in and then the 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 collectors and uh investors seeing that and coming in it's just, just the virtuous loops are just compounding at this point um and, Matt, well, a question, a question yeah. for you, right? Shoot. So NFT land is going to moon because you get more collectors and creators. How do you, so, so once again, making that comparison towards crypto and DeFi, how do you bust NFT land if everything is not homogeneous? Well, that's what I was getting to. It's, it's not like there is a boom in NFT land. It's like there's multiple explosions <laughs> happening across these individual communities, right? Yep. Each project is its own community and each artist, it's essentially their own community too. So while you're seeing an inflow of capital, it generally broadly into the space, you're just going to have these booms in certain creators, you're going to have in projects. And there's going to be a leveling off, there's going to be a cooling off phase. But what happens with collectibles, it's, it's this recursive series of booms and cooldowns, right? And it's just kind of understanding what what projects have the ability to provide long-lasting value, which artists are really into and really have a passionate base of collectors that have strong hands that are not going to like 
cut out and, and drop the floor out on a particular artist. It's all these variables that one then needs to tune into in these respective projects and, and communities to, to see where the real value is over time, right? Um, but in the interim, there's going to be like talking heads that come up and purport to be uh, like know-it-alls in the space and will try to shill projects for short-term value that they'll strip away from the communities and it'll drop out. And you'll just see, the, I just, I feel like we're at the very beginning of this, what's going to continually evolve in this sort of like boom, cool off and some sort of like scam that'll come into the space just because of how easy it is to, to create a project that seems to be viable only to have the floor drop out. Um, yeah. But really, this is, man, I mean, just, just to, my, my last comment on this, I, I, I mean, if you compare the boom in NFT to the boom in crypto and the boom in, um, in, uh, in, in DeFi, uh, and, you know, I, I've said this a couple of times already, but, you know, crypto was the revolution for better money. Um, DeFi is the revolution for better financial services. NFT is, is, is not a better revolution. It's a necessary revolution, right? It answers a problem that the world has today. If you look at it from a trend perspective, what you have is you have a world moving to a digital, a digital lifestyle, right? Um, we can't travel anymore, so we live on our computers. Our lives are on our computers. Um, you know, we have a shrinking physical space. Um, so auction houses are having problems, you know, pitching, pitching traditional art uh, to younger buyers because they don't have anywhere to put it up. Uh, at the same time, uh, it, even if I just look at my hotel room that I'm in right now, I'm looking at a computer. I have a secondary portable monitor. Uh, I got my cell phone next to me. I have my tablet next to my portable monitor. And I got a TV above those four screens, right? Um, the screen is a new canvas. The screen is a new lifestyle uh, canvas, right? Um, you know, if if screens are what what everyone is looking at right now, then digital art really has to be um, has to be the uh, has to be the the next outlet um, for 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 commercial art. And you know, tying this back to NFTs, if if I ask you again, it's it's become a famous question. But is there any other way besides NFT technology to prove the scarcity and provenance of a digital art piece? Um, and you know, usually the answer is no. Um, then then this has to work, not even for the short term, but for the longer term as well. One hundred percent. And to take that even further, I mean, in the history, there's no more blue ocean for pioneers to expand to on on planet earth i guess you could go literally in the ocean and try to set up like (laughs) like new places for folks and communities to spring up but for Mm -hmm. the most part like all the opportunities in the physical planet have been more or less exhausted if you want to have another america spring up and or if if china or any other country really wants to kind of just take over and you want people flying all over the place and trying to build up all these other, it's kind of, we're at this point of diminishing returns where the more people do that, the worse it is for the earth and everyone else here. But the, the potential for growth and success on the digital realm, on the internet in the quote unquote metaverse, it's unbounded. And if, if, people do believe, believe that in the far future, like it seems like folks like Elon Musk believe that, okay, well, eventually we're going to leave earth and, and go somewhere else. That the natural way that that happens is for folks to have 
the ability to make money to to live in a digital setting that's totally unbounded essentially from earth it's not reliant on the physical for what's happening for prosperity for development for creation right and you have this this metaverse that it could live anywhere it could live within the telecommunication structure of earth or anywhere that a, a, an internet signal can travel which as far as i know is like anywhere in the universe unlimited right yep. Dude, so fully agreed. i mean that's, I mean, that's a crazy conversation but <laughs> i mean pump pump you know pump pump sent out a tweet when he entered into crypto art and you know just from an investor standpoint um he mentioned that you know in order to make money there are two ways number one you either enter a space extremely early or number two you enter a space whereby people have given up on the value proposition um that is still actually very valid but is being underlooked um, you see all these people coming into crypto art at the moment, but then when you realize that all of this crypto art is digital based, you're going to have to need to have a place to, to, to display it and to share it and to, and to highlight it. And that is the metaverse, right? Um, you know, if you're a savvy investor, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking at the value chain. Uh, it's, it's the number one thing that I do, and I apologize I didn't bring it up earlier. But before I invest in anything, uh, I spend a good two to three hours, you know, listing out what the value chain looks like, looks like you know, what, 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 what's closest to source and what's furthest away from source. Uh, and then after that, looking at every single opportunity and saying, hey, is it worth it to go into this, into this element or not? Um, you know, immediately after crypto art, it has to be the metaverse. Um, because you're going to need to have some some place to display your art, to display your collectibles. Um, so, you know, I, I think you guys have it spot on, especially with WIP being fully in the metaverse itself. Um, you know, you not only benefit from that logistics uh, advantage whereby you don't need to physically travel anywhere, but at the same time, you can show people things that uh, you, you might not be able to show them uh, with a webcam, right? Hundred percent, and you're able to to create experiences for people, and that's the that's part of the secret sauce that people need to just experience to experience. Right? It's tautological <laughs> to say, but it's it, and CryptoVoxels is magical in the sense that at this point, all you need is a URL to click in to go to one of these events, and when there is a drop in particular, and you have the opportunity, like in the case of what happened with NoShot or Syncos, they had these, these purely digital wearables that people that were limited and scarce, that people ha- could buy and try to, to outbid one another to, to own. And once they own it, it's theirs. But buying that, bidding for those ob- digital objects in this virtual meetup, like it, it assigns a significance to a digital object that I don't think most people would assume is possible. So that when you are at a future virtual meetup and you're wearing those virtual kicks that you bought and you come across or the, the, the avatar that you were bidding against sees you wearing them, it creates this really funny like uh, ripple effect of other experiences and getting called out and kind of like having this like back and forth banter. It's just one small example of these experiences that happen can happen in this purely virtual digital context that, that live on. And that you can see, and it just this persistence is this really interesting effect. Even though it's very early, and there's so many rough edges, um, we're at the, the very beginning of being able to build out the this incredible um, backdrop and this incredible world for virtual and digital experiences that. 
by themselves are just so valuable and so powerful. Your whip with Machi X and a drop on the uh, yeah, comic yeah. books. That was that 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 really blew my mind by the way. Um being able to walk through a comic book that was rather so cool. than just read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was insane, dude. That was insane. That was uh, the, I looked at this and I was like this is the future of comic books, right? Um and you know, at the end of the day, you know, you talk about websites selling art and this is this is another teaser that I'm going to drop here. Um, but you, you, you think about, you know, uh, all these platforms, you know, whether or not you use OpenSea or whether or not you use one of these curated platforms, um, you're still collecting digital art in a 2D environment, right, on a website. Um, when is someone going to skip that 2D experience and just have a pure play uh, metaverse art gallery uh, whereby you can buy art and sell art in the metaverse itself and skip that entire website experience altogether, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw this the other, I think it was three weeks ago at this point, um, Sky Golpe in conjunction, I think with Mocha, um, they had a, a gallery viewing in Insomnium space. And I mean, Insomnium space for folks that, are, that have the head, headset, and can can properly go in and view Somnium space in its full glory. I felt like there is a future where that's going to happen, and someplace like that, like a Somnium space, could be poised to to be that that gallery experience, purely virtual, that skips the two D curated marketplaces uh, and just goes into that because the the gallery that they had constructed which I forget the woman's name who designed it, but she comes from an architect background and she considered like the lighting and, and the time of day and how it would be viewed and when it would, when the, the gallery opening would, would occur and, and all those minute details that you look for in great architecture and great buildings and coupled with the, I, I love, I'm a big fan of Sky Gope and their work being displayed there. And that kind it's like, that is where I would want to experience it. And that is where I'd really, really want to purchase it. And it's actually possible, but it's just not widely, widely accessible at this point. And I feel like it's a little bit, a little bit too much too soon, although it's a great experiment to run. Crypto voxels is definitely at the forefront of making the accessibility paramount. But to kind of, <clears throat> if we're just going to stay on this point for a little while, I'd love to talk a little bit about your expectations with, with the sandbox because for me i think the sandbox is going to be that next level up when it when it comes to like the early days of <laughs> accessible blockchain based vr uh, it, we have the central land and kudos to them and their team for for doing their thing um but i feel like <laughs> there's a lot of experiments being run there and it, it sort of dilutes the whole value add to me um from just a user and investor perspective, but the sandbox focusing on the game aspect, which at the width we've experimented with like post event games at a very rudimentary basic level, but it is effing fun to, <laughs> to have a group of people in the yep. same space as you engage in a game together. And as soon as the sandbox is ready to let it ready to, to launch, I want to be there with the whip, with the whip fam, experiencing those games but i'm curious since you're like as far as i know one of the biggest if not the biggest uh, investor single investor in the sandbox like what are your expectations with that project where do you think it's going gotcha so 
I guess to preface my comments, I think that firstly, the metaverse is not going to be a winner takes all, right? Uh, what we're going to see is, you know, and, and, and I, I've, always, I've always thought this way, is you're going to see different platforms be good for different things. Um, I think we're starting to see a blurring of the lines. Um, but at the end of the day, you're, going, you're really going to have each platform with its own unique strengths. Uh, we, we, we talked about crypto voxels, um, wonderful place to display art. Uh, digital art, and you know, once again, still the number one choice among artists when they want to set up a digital gallery. Uh, with DCL, really, I see it more as a social environment. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm I, I tend to be a bigger fan of voxels, uh, but you know, DCL does have that very strong community and and strong um, strong social element to it. Uh, I think you hit the the nail on the head with Sandbox. Sandbox is is really about the game, and and what I love about Sandbox. Uh, is they're building the sandbox off of many other years of success um, on game creating platforms uh, that that were not that were not crypto based, right? So this is an extension and an evolution of an already successful project. Um, you know, Seb and the team they they work tirelessly. You know, I I don't think I ever go through a single day without seeing Seb being on <laughs> on some on some podcast, right? <laughs> Sometimes multiple podcasts at once or multiple YouTube lives. It's that man. I don't know. I don't think he sleeps. I, I don't think so page. either. <laughs> and, and 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 every single one he puts his heart and soul into it. He records a he records a a message in 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 that native language. Um, that that team is just spectacular, right? Um, my expectations for the sandbox are extremely high. Uh, you know they 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 they're an extremely professional team, an already established team. Uh, and you know, I, I do follow their weekly, their their weekly, their weekly stream, uh, whereby they they show everybody what's coming up, what's going on, how do you use this, how do you use that, um, and and I love it, right? Uh, the mechanics and the the economics of the game, um, as well as the builder, um, it, it just looks tremendous to me. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, as a community, we brought up to them in the beginning was, hey, uh, we know that you're doing a game. Um, but if NFTs aren't in, interoperable into the sandbox, um, into the sandbox uh, platform, then we think that you are missing a large piece of, of, of something that you could be capturing here, right? Um, I think sandbox will be known for two things. Uh, actually, they'll be, they'll, they'll be known for, for, for three things in the following priority. The first thing that they're going to be known for is, you know, their bread and butter, which is, which is games, right? So people are going to get on there, build games, um, and you know, the, the, and I think you're going to see some prominent uh, game studios uh, being based straight out of the sandbox. So that's the first one. The second one is that he did show us some interoperability features uh, a couple of months ago. So you're actually going to be able to display your crypto art in sandbox as well. Um, uh, you know, again, I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different from crypto voxels, uh, given the ease of use of of, of, of crypto voxels, like you said, just. Uh, just one, just one link. Um, so you know, I, I think that some artists and, and these plots are huge, right? One land is is ginormous. It's like it's like three or four Frankfurt plots. Um, so I think you're going to see them see them also uh, get a little bit of the crypto art pie. Uh, and then after that, the third thing is that hey, when you have content, so when you have games and when you have uh, the ability to display NFTs. Uh, the social element will just flow straight in, right? Um, uh, so I think the social element is a result of doing the first two things well. Um, 
high expectations, man. I am, I used, we used to be the highest number, uh, the highest holder of land uh, for the sandbox. Uh, recently got ousted by Binance. Uh, so we're number two now. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I, I, I cannot, you know, I, I, while I would love to, I, I, I don't think I have the resources to, co- to compete with Binance at this stage. <laughs> um, but I can also tell you that we own about 30% of the liquidity pool uh, for sand. Um, uh, which is which is amazing because as a whale community, what we're going to do um, is we're not going to be passive landholders. We're going to develop, we're going to create something called uh, whale builders. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to, we have enough land, we're mining all the sand right now. Um, and then after that, I just, we just have to incentivize the community to build some stellar games on that platform. Uh, there we go. <laughs> right? <It's... laughs> It all comes back to the community and pushing forward the changes and developments and incentivizing just the the, the positive construction of this. It's not a, it's it's more of like a multiverse. To, to your point, it's not going to be winner take all, um, but it's definitely going to be community driven at the end of the day, and that's that's kind of beautiful. And I mean, we we've talked a lot. I'm I'm so thankful for you to take your time to dive into these insanely interesting topics with me before we go i just want to make sure that we hit everything that you wanted to talk about and ask you is there anything that you you wanted to talk about more um and then if there's anything you want to shout out um i feel like this is a great opportunity to do that no dude again this is matt this has really been a dream come true for me and, and really coming full circle um i know that you and i talk on a weekly basis but this is really the first time that you and i got to do this one-on-one um i know that we've also we we were also uh people were were, were thinking that whale shark was matthew and matthew was whale shark in the beginning really uh, I, yes yeah I, I think they can now tell that you and i while we share we share many of the same values are two very different people um so really you know just just be the first podcast that I ever listened to in NFT land and having the honor and the pleasure uh, to be able to speak with you one-on-one. This is, this is really a dream come true for me. Um, I guess my shout out to the community uh, would be, uh, you know, have strong hands, uh, make sure that you guys are smart about investing in NFTs. Um, you know, we have some very positive communities like WIP um, or Whale. Uh, in NFT land, welcome everyone to join to join these communities to learn more, to make friends, uh, you know, to collect some awesome NFTs. Um, from my perspective, uh, you know, from a whale perspective, um, we're really excited to be an integral part of the space. Uh, for those who do want to find us, you can either hit me up on my Twitter, uh, which is whaleshark.pro. Um, or you guys can actually join our whale discord, which is uh, discord.gg backslash whale. Um, and, you know, I, I just look forward to all of the wonderful things that are happening in the space and seeing all the wonderful people uh, who made this happen get very well rewarded. There you go. Well, thank you once again for taking the time to speak with me. You're, you're an absolute gentleman and a scholar and so exciting to, to listen to all your plans that you have and everything you're cooking up and can't wait to see everything as it blooms and blossoms heading forward. So keep doing your thing, brother. It's my pleasure, man. And you, you, you guys keep charging on. Will do. Thank you, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your Thank day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Hey again, this is Matthew. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. And just want to give one more shout out to this month's sponsor, Connie Digital. Make sure that you follow him and go check out his latest updates at danky.art. And 
definitely, if you're not already signed up, make sure you join his email newsletter by going to kindedigital.com slash join and filling in your email address and ETH address. That's kindedigital.com slash join to join Kindy Digital's email newsletter. Thank you all and see you on the next episode.